Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, as Pastor Joseph mentioned earlier, how many of you truly want 2024 to be the greatest year of your life? Okay, then you have to remember that you are an eternal spiritual being, eternal, having a temporary physical experience on earth. I'm gonna say that again. You're an eternal spiritual being having a temporary physical experience on, on earth. So if this is going to be the best year of your life, it begins by knowing the purpose of life. And the purpose of life I mentioned to you last week, the two greatest days of your life is day number one is the day you were born, and day number two is the day you find out why. You and I were made for God. We were made in his image, which I'm going to talk about in just a minute, but we were made to know God. Say that with me. I was made to know God. You, you know, just like every man, you know, when... when, when when you realize the time comes when, you know, you, you, you know that you're single and first you, you know, you, you kind of find yourself and you grow up and you kind of get a little swole, try to work, work out, get on some juice or steroids or creatine or whatever the latest fat is. And you just, and then, and then you finally realize, okay, being attractive is one thing, but like I'm missing something. I'm missing my rib. I'm missing the rib that God took out. And you realize that, that as long as you live, no matter how successful you are, no matter what you have, no matter what you do, something is missing. Well, you and I were made in the image of God. And until we are reunited in intimacy with him, something is, is missing. It's missing. So let me ask you a question as we begin. Have you ever felt stuck? Have you ever felt like there was a habit you wanted to let go of, but it wouldn't let go of you? Like for some reason, you, you couldn't get past the past. Each year is a new mile marker in your journey through life. It's a time when we can reflect and remember and even renew and release some things from last year. How many of you need to release some things from last year? How many of you need to release some people from last year? Don't point at people. You just need to release some people from last year. You see, if your habits and values and priorities don't change, then all that changes is the calendar, not you. You're still stuck at the last mile marker of your greatest pain, hurts, and habits. Because you make your habits and then your habits make you. You, you can't go forward with backward thinking and with backward habits that caused you to be stuck before. So every time at this year, it's our goal to equip you and empower you to get unstuck on your spiritual journey. Or better yet, to help you make progress in knowing God. I want you to just say this out loud with me. Just if you sincerely mean, say, I want to know God. How many want to go to heaven? How many of you'd like to know who you're going to when you get there? The goal of the Christian life is to be reunited to the place that we were created from from the very beginning that we fell from. In order to help you understand this, I, I have to help you understand that, that man is three-part. Man is three-part. He is and and spirit. I am body, soul, and spirit. Well, why is that so significant? Because Adam and Eve were placed in the garden thousands of years ago, and they were told not to eat of one tree. It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. People have often said to me, Pastor, well, why did God put a tree there if he knew that they were going to eat of it? If God is God and he knows everything and he knew that they were going to eat of the tree, why did he put the tree there? Have you ever thought that? Because there is no love without choice. God doesn't want forced relationship. He wants fellowship out of love. He wants fellowship out of love. 
You know why it was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Because God wanted man to know evil by definition and not by experience. Let me explain that. How many mamas and daddies do we have here? Come on, claim them. They look like you. They're sitting beside you in the nursery. Okay. How many of you have done some things you don't want your children to do? Okay. You know how you want them to know evil? By definition. Not by painful consequences. So you say to them, don't do that. And they go, well, did you do that, mama? And you go, do as I say and not as I do. Or did. No, 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 no. Because you don't want them to have to experience. You simply want them to be able to go, someone who loves me said that's not best for me. And so I don't want to do that. But there was another tree there. You know what that tree was called? The tree of life. And whoever ate of that tree lived forever. So when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God told them in the day they touched or ate of the tree, they would surely, they would what? So do you know what? God removed Adam and Eve out of the garden, out of his mercy. Because if they would have eaten out of the tree of life after that, they would have stayed eternally separated from God. They would have lived forever, but lived separated from God. And so in God's mercy, he brought them out of the garden to keep them away from the other tree. And those three horrible strangers came that God never intended you and I to experience ever, ever fear, guilt, and shame. And it caused two people that were so loved by God and so lavish that God had created everything that you see around for them to hide from the one that loved them the most to hide from the one that loved them the most, to hide from the one that loved them the most. People are still doing that, aren't they? So who came looking for who? Did Adam come looking for God? What happened? And do you know what Jesus still does? He still leaves the 99 that are doing good and he goes out and he's looking for the one that's lost. I was seated at home last night and, and my, my, my phone rang and I looked down and it's a number that I don't know. So that either means it's a telemarketer, a bill collector, or somebody crazy. And I don't want to talk to all three of them. <laughs> and so, so I, I just, I don't know why I was sitting there, it was 830, talking with, with Michelle and Haddon and I, I just I answered it and the guy said, hey, Pastor Jacob. This is, and he called his name. He said, do you remember me? So I know that you probably think when you walk up to me and I'm at Costco, my favorite place where people my age eat when you don't know what you want to eat. And, 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 and you walk up and you go, hey, do you remember me? I will never lie to you. I will look at you and go, help me. Help me. And then you say, well, one time you came to my school and blah, blah, blah. Or one time you, you know, preached a wedding or blah, blah, whatever. Okay, so I said, help me. And he said, a few years ago, you sent me to Teen Challenge. I said, yeah. He said, I, I, I was doing good and kind of got away. He said, I, I don't live. I live hours away from Lafayette now, but, but Pastor, I kind of fallen back into some old things that God had delivered me from. And I, I had your number. I just wanted to call somebody. And I, I just wondered if, if, if I came back to Lafayette, could y'all help me? I said, well, of, of, of course, of course we could help you. He said, I'm just so far from God. This pause right there, one moment. Have you ever felt that way? Yeah. And I said to him, then stop running from the one who's chasing you. Because when we feel far from God, here's what we feel like. We feel like we're just wandering all the way over here. Like you don't know how, how, that's not true. He's the one that leaves the 99. He's chasing you. You're running from him. Just as Adam and Eve did in the garden. They were hiding, not God. God was pursuing them. Aren't you grateful that he always pursues us, even when we've been pursuing everything and everybody else? And so man was separated from God. So I, I want you to understand the three part of man and the voice that is a part of each. So 
Man is body, soul, and spirit. And when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, did their body die? Did they just fall over dead? No, no, not at all. Did, did their soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, did they stop thinking? So, so what died? So their spirit died. So when you look at these two things, my body, the voice of my body is my feelings and my soul, which is my mind, will, and emotions. Do you know what the Bible calls those two things? It calls them the flesh. The flesh. Say that, the flesh. Matter of fact, the Bible uses a Latin-based word. It calls it carnal. Now, how many of you know God made Mexicans? How many of you know Mexicans made Mexican food? How many of you know we should now stop in worship? Okay, now watch this. So, what, you know what the word is for flesh or meat? What is it? Yeah, some, I, this is occasion. Carney? No, a carney is somebody that travels with the fair. Okay, it's carne, carne, carne. That's like those people who go, have I ever eaten that bone, Dan? You mean Buddha? Yeah, yeah, Baudan, you know. Uh, it, it's, it's carne, it means flesh. So all I have left then is my soul, which is my mind, will, and emotions, the real voice, reason, and my feelings. This is called the carnal person. Well, why is that so significant? Because the Bible tells us what God is. John 4, 24, we talked about last week. It says, God is, he's what? So the very part of us that was created to be like God, that is still yearning to be like God, that we still feel with all of these temporary things that never satisfy us. But what we're longing for is to be reunited to the one that loves us the most and created us to be like him and lavished us with everything you see in all of creation. That's why Jesus said to a religious man who was a teacher of the law, a high religious Jewish teacher, he said in John 3, 5, Jesus answered and said, most assuredly and solemnly I say to you, unless one is, that that's, that's means you're, you're born. You, Rochelle just had a baby. We had a little precious. Finally, we had a Mexican baby. Took a while. First baby was a honky baby, but we, 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 we're leaving him in the sun, tanning him. We're rubbing dark stuff coconut oil. We're looking for old Mexican secrets to get him back to his original roots. But the way you know someone's ready to be born is their water bad breaks. So unless they're born of the water and the spirit, they can never enter the kingdom of God. So here's what he's saying is that this is born of the body, but the part of you that is in the image of God that reunites to God, when you are born again, when the same spirit which raised Jesus from the dead on the third day comes to live inside of you, is your spirit. Man's problem is not that he's good or bad. Man's problem is that he's spiritually dead and separated from the one that loves him the most. How, how does this play out in our daily lives? Now, let me just ask a general question, okay? Don't take this personal. Say, Pastor, I won't take this personal. Okay, how many of you have some bad habits you can fall into? Okay, good. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, your bad habit is lying. <laughs> okay, it, the, I, that is called your flesh pattern. It, 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 in, in the flesh pattern of your family, you can usually look back in your family and see the things that have been the hurts, habits, and hangups, sins, flesh patterns that have tripped up your family. How many of you come from some good old Cajun alcoholics? Okay. How many of you men come from some good Cajun redneck, oil field, women chasing? Come on, raise your hand. No, don't point at people. Raise your own hand. Okay. So that's your flesh pattern. And so we all, when we get in the flesh, fall into sin. We just fall into different sin. Some of you, when you get crossed, you get angry. Some of you, boude. What does boude mean? Pout. pout. You pout. But, 
Okay, some of you, when, when someone says something to you, it aggravates you, 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 you do all kinds of crazy things. Some of you just hold it back inside of you and just decide that you'll get them and figure out a way to get them later. <laughs> yeah, you know the people laughing, those are those people, be careful. <laughs> well, well, that is simply your flesh pattern. All of us fall into sin when we're in the flesh, it's just into different sin, depending on your upbringing. Are you with me? Listen to what Romans 8, 5, and 6 says. Those who are motivated by the flesh, that's this, okay, only pursue what benefits themselves. For those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to produce, pursue what? Spiritual realities. So, God's design is that I become a born-again child of God. I begin renewing my mind with God's word and that I begin to be led by the spirit instead of being led by my flesh. But that's God's design. And so he says here, but those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue what? Spiritual realities. For the sense and reason of the flesh is, death. it's what? Death. death. You, it doesn't mean that everything that you enjoy and that you think about and that you feel is bad. It just means it dies when you die. I said this last week, but it's so true. The two greatest physical sensations a person can experience is eating and physical intimacy. And both of them end like that. Why? Why would God make the highest pleasures there are be so temporary? Because he wants you to know he made them for you to enjoy, but only that which is spiritual is eternal. There's nothing wrong with, is there anything wrong with enjoying a crawfish at toupee? Is there anything wrong with enjoying boiled crawfish? Then where are they? Okay, is there anything wrong with enjoying a great steak? Huh? Shrimp etouffee. Chicken fricasse. I'm hungry. Let's finish this message. Is, is there anything wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with enjoying your beautiful mate? Or in my wife's case, your swole up, jacked up husband? Is there anything wrong with enjoying that or your children? No, he, God just wants you to know those are temporary. They're temporary. So if this is where you're rich, you're poor. Someone said somebody was so poor when they died, all they left their children was money and stuff. So what happens when I pursue spiritual realities? Listen to this. They are motivated to pursue spiritualities for the sense and reason of the flesh is, is death. This is all going to die. But the mindset controlled by the spirit finds, finds what? Can I tell you something I've never heard in 50 years of preaching? No one's ever walked up to me and go, pastor, I just wanted to make a counseling session with you because you know, I just got too much peace. I just, I don't even know what to do with myself. I've been, can you pray that some anxiety would come upon me, pastor? Because I, I just, I'm just filled with joy and I just feel peace. And I mean, I just can't stand it. Do you know what this is? This is a down payment of heaven. Do you know what this is? A down payment of hell. Fear, guilt, shame which wrapped up together are condemnation. So it's not again that everything that is of the flesh is bad. It just will rust, rot, fade, and die. Someone could say it like this. I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in my body. I, I am a creating the image of God. I have a and I live in my, okay. you, you remember last week when I was talking to you about the, the, the dogs, the two bulldogs that fought, went around Acadiana fighting and there was a black dog and a white dog and the same two dogs and one every night a different dog would win even though they were same two dogs and someone asked the owner, how can you tell which dog is going to win? Remember what he said? Whichever dog I feed that day. 
That's the one that wins. So you know what we want to begin this year doing? Feeding that part of you that is eternal, that draws you near to God. Can I tell you the greatest moments of your life? When you felt nearest and dearest to God. The greatest moments of peace in your life, the greatest moments of joy in your life, the greatest moments of contentment in your life, the greatest moments of fulfillment in your life have come when you felt nearest and dearest to the heart of the one who loves you the most. So our goal this week is to lead you into a week of fasting and prayer, focusing on feeding your spirit and growing in your intimacy with the Father instead of feeding your flesh. From Thanksgiving to New Year's, we all focused on feeding the flesh. Don't lie. We all focused on feeding the flesh. All the things from New Year's to uh, every, every single crackling, boudin, every kind of thing you could fry, die, lay on the side, all of it. TV, sports, all of it. Is that bad? It's just not eternal. It's just not fulfilling. It just leaves you empty, just like a meal, just like intimacy, just like all of these other things that you think that you can get that are physical sensations that ultimately pass. I'll give you the best example. How many remember when you couldn't wait to get your first car? Come on, how many remember that? Okay, how many of you, your parents bought you a brand new car for your first car? Raise your hand. I hate you as a Christian in Jesus. How many of you had to struggle and get your own car? All right. I, I remember when I finally bought our first car, Michelle and I bought our first car together. I was so proud of that car. Matter of fact, I have a picture. I bought it from Bob Giles, a dear friend of mine that led to Christ years ago, gave me a free car to drive for many years. And, and, and I have the first car I bought, I bought from Giles, which is now Don's Trucks, right there. It was a red Diesel Volkswagen Rabbit. Do you know what I look like shoved up in that Volkswagen Rabbit? Okay. It got 50 miles to a gallon. And I was 50 inches shorter every time I rode in it for longer than an hour. And, and, and I have a picture. I can show you the picture. I'm in red shorts and I have a yellow top and I'm in front of that car going... Like, I got it going on. I, I'm not in front of a Porsche. I'm not in front of a Mustang. I'm not in front of a vet. I'm in front of a Volkswagen diesel rabbit. And you look at that and go, that was so dumb. Remember, you were going to get your first car. You were going to get your first house. You had your first boyfriend or girlfriend. You had your, and all of those things you thought were going to be so fulfilling. And then it was gone. It's not that it was bad. It's just not eternal. It's not eternal. Remember, you are an eternal spiritual being having a temporary physical experience on earth. So as we begin this week of prayer and fasting, what, what does fasting do? Isaiah 58 verse 6 through 9 says this, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of the wickedness. To undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and to break, and to share your bread with the hungry, that you may bring into your house the poor who are cast out, and when they're naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be then you'll call out to the Lord and answer, and he will say, Mishael, I'm right here. If, okay, what happens to us when we fast? Here's what he's telling us. He says, we begin to loose bondages. This is habits. This, this is flesh patterns that are stuck that you've always stumbled at. You, you undo burdens, things, things that have been heavy for you to carry. You get freed from oppression, things that feel like they're pressing on you from the outside. You, you break every yoke. A yoke is what they put a, a cow in. He would put his head in and they would pull a plow. The things that you just feel like you're dragging 
around. Then he says here, that's what happens spiritually with your mind. He says, I want you to think about the poor and the needy. When you are fasting, you think about people that are hungry. You think about people that don't have. And then he says, for the body, serve the needy. Buy, buy meal for other people. Bring groceries to somebody with the money that you would be using to buy groceries for yourself. Why else do we fast? When you go through a time of testing. How many of you felt like I'm in the middle of a testing period? How many of you have ever felt that way? Like, God, I know I'm being tested. Anybody ever felt that way? Okay, let me tell you what that means. It means appetites are rising inside of you that aren't normal. It means things are pulling at you that are not, like everything is normal and the volume of it is normal and all of a sudden the volume gets turned up and you, you, you're tempted to hold on to bitterness. You're tempted to be angry. You're tempted to do, follow appetites that you shouldn't follow. Jesus was going through a time like that. Listen to what happened in Matthew chapter four, verse one. Next, Jesus was taken into the wild by the spirit for the what? The test. And the devil was ready to give it. How many of you know the devil's always ready to give the test? Jesus prepared for the test by fasting. I know, I, just, I lost you. I know that right there. No, we're talking about four days, not 40 days. And then left him, of course, in a state of extreme hunger. And the devil came and took advantage of the first test. Jesus was hungry, so what's he going to be tempted by? Food. Remember this, the enemy always attacks with a spirit of lack. Isn't that what he told Eve? God blessed them with everything that they had. And Eve, he came and told Eve, he said, God didn't give you one thing he could give you. Temptation is always me trying to get a need met my own instead of trusting God to bring it to me when I need it. He says, since you are the son of God, speak the word and turn these stones into evangelin made bread. <laughs> and Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy and says, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a of. So here's what you do when you're fasting. One of the things you do is you take this word and you feast on this word. So instead of feeding this, you feed this with this. There is the practice of prayer and fasting mentioned throughout all the Bible. When Nehemiah was going to rebuild the walls, he fasted and he prayed and God answered. When Esther was going to save all the Jews that were going to be destroyed, she fasted and she prayed and God answered. Daniel of Daniel in the lion's den, when he faced temptation, he fasted and God answered. Listen to what Ezra 8.23 says. So we fasted and treated our God for this time and he answered our prayer. Fasting gives us spiritual power. Watch how it did with Jesus, even when he was on earth with his disciples. They bring someone to Jesus' disciples and he's, he, they're healing the sick and casting out demons. Jesus gave them power to do that. And they come to Jesus and go, Jesus, we brought somebody to your disciples to heal them, but they can't get the demon out of him. Matthew 17, 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came kneeling down in front of him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son for he's an epileptic and suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and into the, the devil's trying to kill him. Fire and water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they, they could not cure him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, well, why couldn't we cast him out? We did what we did before and it always worked. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can save this mountain, move from here to over there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind doesn't come out except by and prayer and fasting. Fasting gives you spiritual power. 
Prayer connects us to God. Fasting disconnects us from the world. It disconnects us from the world. Now, there are different types of fast. There's complete fast, which is water only. If you're doing that for extended amount of days, please seek a physician's opinion, what you should need to do, okay? Be sure it's a skinny physician. <laughs> Second is selective fast, which I'll talk about. And the third one is partial fast. Let me explain. Let me explain. Because I want to talk to you about the different types of fasts there are. The first one is the Daniel fast. Say that, Daniel fast. What is the Daniel fast? Anybody know? You eat what? You eat vegetables. You eat vegetables. You eat vegetables. Daniel did that when he was going through a time of testing and he became stronger and was more wise and influential than all the other people that were eating everything that they were supposedly thought would be best to eat. Here's the second one is a liquid fast, water and juices. Here's the third one, fasting a meal or only eating one meal a day during this fast. So all of those are options for you, but now I wanna talk about the necessary one, regardless of which one of these that you choose. And it's gonna be the hardest one. Are you ready? Because when I talk about fasting food, I'm talking about, but there's something else I need to fast for my soul, which is my mind, will, and emotions. What is that? Starts with an S, then an M. Say it loud. Social media. Social media. I know some of you, I mean, like you got Tourette syndrome. Like you walk around, look at my phone. <laughs> Someone said the other day, I saw something said, what if you treated your phone, your Bible like you do your phone? Hey, I'm going to the bathroom. I got to take my Bible with me. Hey, have you checked my Bible in the last two minutes? I may have a message from God. <laughs> you get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, reach over, pick up your Bible. <laughs> I, can, can I tell you something that might shock you? Those of you that are under 25, this is like going to be a shock to your system. Do you know phones used to be attached to walls and not people? Go ahead. This will shock you. Phones just used to be used to talk to people. Not record people. Not take pictures of people. Not TikTok, MySpace, YourSpace, Vine. That's the only cool ones I know. Okay, all, all of that to people. Not, not all, all, literally all you would do was talk. I know you find that strange and hard to believe. People just had phones to talk. Imagine that, having a phone to talk. Scientists have now told us, and neurologists, that social media is scrambling people's minds. You know why we have so much anxiety? Because we're being exposed to things that we should not be seeing. Hey, expose a five-year-old to somebody being murdered to pornography, to violence. To, they don't have the mental or emotional capacity to be able to deal with that. Some of you are full-grown adults and you still don't have the mental or emotional and spiritual capacity to deal with it. So I want to challenge you to fast social media. I want to challenge you just to go on and go, hey, I'm off for the week fasting and praying. You say, well, pastor, they said, don't say that you're fasting because you lose your reward. Pastor Jacob will give you an exemption. <laughs> okay, that is just, just, just fast it and see what happens. Now, I'm going to show you some, how powerful this is. How, how many of you have ever had God like impress something on your mind? Okay, I call that God speaking to me, all right? So let me give you an example. Friday morning, I get up, prayer time, doing my first 24. I'm just, and a man in our church 
who I haven't seen in a while, just like a picture of him pops up in my mind. So I'm like, I got to reach out to this guy. I love him. I haven't seen him. Okay. I'm meeting at a discipleship meeting with one of the men in our church and for lunch. And I look down and my phone buzzes and it goes, Hey pastor, I really need to talk to you. It's the man. Okay. Now out of the thousands of people that come to this campus, God put that one man on my mind. Okay. So I met with him. Great time. It was all God. Yesterday morning, Saturday, Michelle goes to a shower with Amberly. I'm at home, get up, go over my message, do what I do, blah, blah, blah. I go pray for a lady who's near going to, she's probably watching right now with her family. We're trying to watch. She's near to be with Jesus at any minute. Go by, pray for her. And this other man, like, like, like just pops up. Like, I mean, I'm not thinking of anything. It's just like, it appears here on the screen. So I call him. Hey, what you doing? Nothing. Why? Can I come by and get you? When? Well, I'm two minutes away from him. He goes, please come now. He said, I just texted somebody two minutes ago. I can show you the text. I need to talk to my pastor and I need to talk to him now. Okay. Who does that? Who is the one that leads us like that? God. But look at me. When did God speak to most of you? When did the impressions come to most of you? When? What time? In the morning. Oh. Do you know why? Because when you wake up, nothing's on there until you start pulling up all the different images that you're going to be feasting your eyes on. And the enemy's design is to scar this and mar this so that you don't see that. The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. It's learning to hear that voice, and it's giving yourself the opportunity to say, God, I'm going to let you write on here before anybody else does. Listen to me, Mom and Daddy. God will put your kids on here. You start hearing this. It's really fun. We had teenagers. We come. Where are you? Who told you? Well, no, I just, we were just calling to check on you. No, really, who, who's here? Because the Holy Spirit knows. So this is the way as we fast and as we pray, this is disconnecting us. Remember, prayer connects us to God. Fasting disconnects us from all the other things that distract us and put static on here so that we do not hear what God wants to say to us. So what do I do, pastor, instead of eating? Did you get it on the social media fast? Let me try that one more time. Did you get it on the social media fast? Okay, look, and there's no condemnation. Try it for a day or two. If you start shaking and you have to just hear deans. And I mean, go back. There's no condemnation. We love you. God loves you. You're still going to heaven. You'll just be miserable as hell until you get there. What do I want you to do instead of eat? Number one, read God's word. It's amazing when you come, watch God start talking to you. You know why it's important to read the Bible? Because you begin to learn what the voice of God sounds like. This this is what the voice of God sounds like. Like like if I'm praying over something and a scripture comes to me, I go, oh, that's the devil. No, the devil didn't quote a scripture to me. It's God bringing that to me. So it sounds like this. It gives you an opportunity to, to just connect with God. Secondly, pray, make a prayer list. I encourage you for the first 24 to, to just make a prayer list. A prayer list should include your immediate family, loved ones, and then any other needs that God brings to you. Make a prayer list that you pray over. If, if you're at work, go get in your car, go get in your car, turn on some music, just sit in there. Do what everybody else does while they're driving. <laughs> they're not bothered. Okay, just, 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 just worship. Here's something else. Watch this. Make a gratitude list. How about a list of people that have been a blessing to you through the course of your life? My friend Tracy Kerr said his daddy told him gratitude is the most short-lived emotion there is. How, how about making a gratitude list? Look at me. How many of you got a mom and daddy that are alive? 
How about calling them and telling them you love them and you're thankful for them? Because the day will come when you wish you could call them and they're gone. How about an aunt that prayed for you, an uncle, a grandmother, a grand... Some, make a gratitude list. Do you know what all these things are? These are spiritual fruits that begin growing in your life when you begin feeding your spirit. When you're not eating, buy somebody else food. Buy groceries for somebody else. Buy groceries for somebody else. Then finally, every morning, Monday through Friday, we're going to have prayer here from 6 till 6.50. On any given weekend, we have 2,600 to 3,000 people that come to this service here. Okay? We've never had more than 250 at morning prayer. Let's pack this place out tomorrow. I'm going to be leading morning prayer tomorrow. Let's have more people than we've ever had for morning prayer. My spiritual mentor used to say, the teaching of your church tells how popular your pastor is. Sunday morning tells how popular your church is. The prayer meeting tells how popular God is. Let, 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 let's, let's fill this place tomorrow. And it's going to be so wonderful. We're going to worship together. We're going to pray over needs. It's going to be powerful. And we're going to do that. If you can't do that, if you got to be, then get, get to work early. You can pull it up online. We're going to be doing this online. Or get up early and just have your own time. Get up early and have your own time. I want to encourage you, write down some scriptures for your family. And confess them. As for me and my house, we shall be saved. Someone grabbed me early and said, Pastor, would you pray for my son? He's addicted. I said, I want to give you a promise from God's word. I want you to confess all week long. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. That's your child. That's the seed of the righteous. God's going to deliver them. So just confess the promises of God over your life. You can go online. There's all kinds of things for fasting there. We have confession cards that remind you of who you are. Let me find the last thing I want to close. Can I have three minutes? Okay, three minutes, three minutes. The tree that Adam and Eve ate of that they shouldn't have eaten of in the garden was called the tree of the knowledge of? But there was another tree there. What did I tell you was called the tree of? The tree of life. And so God put them out so they wouldn't eat of that. The Bible says in the Old Testament, cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. There was another tree that became the tree of life. It was called the cross. What Adam and Eve did in the garden, they did to all mankind. They did to us. What Jesus did on the cross, he did for us. So I want to just remove one myth. It's, it's a myth that some of you in your upbringing got. I just need to be closer to God. How many of you love our church? Okay, look, okay, you don't have to clap. How many of you are close to our church? Uh, you're in our church. You can't get any closer than you are. Okay, unless you sit up by my wife on the front row. All right. You're in it. You are in Christ. Say that I'm in Christ. I can't get any closer than I am. Come on. I can't get any closer than I am. All I got to do is surrender to what I'm in. That's all I got to do. One focuses on what I do. The other one focuses on what he did on the tree of life, the cross. So today, I had a conversation with a dear friend of mine. And he said, Pastor, he said, my wife was talking to me. He's very successful in what he does. And she said, how do you feel about this year? He said, well, I feel great. Why do you ask? She said, I just don't have clarity. I just don't feel fulfilled. I just, I just, I don't know. And here's what he said. He said, honey, everything that I have is laid out on the altar before God. It's surrendered to him. Now listen carefully to what I'm going to tell you. Your level of peace is measured by your level of surrender. Your level of peace is measured by your level of surrender.
Michelle and I, next week, are going to be married 42 years. January 15th, we'll be in spiritual renewal. Don't worry, I'm taking her somewhere before and afterwards. Don't get mad at me. Start hiding in this trash can. Everything that is surrendered to God, I have peace with. Everything that I'm trying to control. I've been married 42 years. You know how many times I've been successful at changing her? Zero. You know how many times she's been successful at changing me? I have six children. You know how many times I've been successful at changing them? But when I surrender them to the Holy Spirit, and I surrender myself to the Holy Spirit, not only do I have peace, but all of a sudden, I know I can't change them. I can't make them. I can't force them. I can't force whether it's the president, the governor, the mayor, my wife, my children. I bring it to God and surrender to him. Look at me. What, what do you need to start surrendering today? What do you need to surrender right here? What do you need to surrender? Whatever you have anxiety about. Whatever you're holding on to. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. So you know the things. I want you to hold your hands open like this and lay them on your lap. Heavenly Father, today we begin by laying out this year and our lives before you. Lord, we know the greatest moments of our life have come when we were surrendered to you. And we trusted not in what we do, but in what you did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Today, we come in full surrender. We come in full surrender. We surrender ourselves. We surrender our mates. We surrender our children and grandchildren. We surrender our job. We surrender our finances. We surrender our health. We surrender to the only one who really can do anything. Lord, forgive us for the times that we fought you by not surrendering it. We actually kept it so much in our hand, you couldn't pick it up and do what you wanted to do. Today, we surrender to you. We want to know you in a greater measure of intimacy than we've ever known you before. Because in your presence is fullness of joy and life evermore. Because the purpose of life is knowing you the love of our soul, the one we're going to spend eternity with. Now, right now, just open your hands wide and just say, Lord, I release it all to you. The Father, you've heard every prayer, you've heard every cry, and I ask you now in the name of Jesus to hear the very cry of your precious children that you love, the cry of your children that you love. And now with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life in the last two minutes. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, don't be surprised that I tell you, you must be born again. Have you been born again? You see, I told you, every one of us are born spiritually dead. Mother Teresa was born spiritually dead. Billy Graham was born spiritually dead. And it's only when I'm born again that I can truly be united to the one that loved me and created me to be like him. It only happens once, just like the day you were born. You say, Pastor, how can I do that? It's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer and died for your sin so you'd never have to die with it. And C, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin to be born again. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you'll be hearing you say, Pastor, I want to I know God. I want to fully surrender to him. I want to be born again. I want him to come and raise me from the spiritually dead. Today, I may have been christened, baptized, or been joined a church, but I've never been born again. Pastor, would you pray for me? If that's you and you want me to pray for you to be born again, remember, it only happens once like the day you were born. I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, if that's you, just raise your hand high and pray for you right at your seat, right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just pray for you right there. One, God brought you here. Yes, he did. I know someone invited you. I know the circumstances. He brought you here. 
two, he's been chasing you. He's been chasing you. Stop running. The love of your soul has been chasing you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. He's not chasing you to get you. He's chasing you to love you. And now's your moment to surrender to know him, to become spiritually alive. Three, if that's you, lift your hand high. Lift it high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Put your hands down. Last ten seconds, Pastor. I didn't raise my hand with these twenty-eight, but I should have. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need. I didn't raise my hand, but I should have. Raise it and wave it at me right now and join these twenty-eight. Twenty-nine. Thirty. Thirty-one. Thirty-two. All right, you can put your hands down. Church, let's pray out loud with all those that raise their hand to be born again today. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. And I'm born again in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you enjoy that message? Would you stand up on your feet with me? Hey, if you just made that decision to give your life to Jesus, your next step is water baptism. You can grab one of these blue Get Connected cards in front of you. Fill that out and just leave it on your pew. We'll take care of the rest. Well, remember tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., we'll see you here for prayer. Would you bow your heads as I bless you before we leave? Let me the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. And may all that you set your hand to may be for the kingdom, and may he prosper, may he bless it. And as your pastor, I bless you in the name of the Father, his son Jesus, the all-abiding Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tomorrow morning.